Hi, this is High Priest of Conchu Ray from Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast and fellow collective member. You are listening to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back to Make Ours Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and this time we are not continuing on our Infinity Wars coverage. We are taking a brief break to join in a podcasting crossover where we are covering Marvel's Acts of Vengeance. And as part of a crossover, we are doing a crossover. So we have on here one familiar voice and one new voice to the show uh, from Make Ours Marvel. We got Michael Kaiser and John M. Wilson. Hello, everybody. Yay. Hi, Michael. Hey, John. Welcome back, John. Thank you. I mean, you you're here a lot. But. <laughs> it's almost not even a crossover. <laughs> but it is now because it's actually him as part of another show, not just That's right. Him. That's right. Well, we're testing his loyalty today. Ooh, Somehow. No we haven't figured out how yet, but it's going to happen. So are both of us going to stand on either ends of a room and call yes. John over to see who goes to yes. first? That's right. That's perfect. <laughs> as long as it doesn't involve like putting things under my fingernails to torture me, I'm good. I got comic books in my pocket. I'll be able to call them over quicker. Oh, you're probably going to win then, yeah. Are they Superman comics? Of course are they, they are. Are they New 52 Superman comics? They can be. <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> it's all kinds of Superman. Who knows? It's a little, bat- it's a little mixed bag. Just but, like New 52 Superman. But anyways. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, yeah, so we are talking about the Thor issues of Acts of Vengeance. That is Thor 410, 411, and 412, which also introduced the new warriors to the Marvel Universe. Spoilers. But yeah. For 1989. Right, yes. right, spoilers for 1989 if someone's way behind. Well, so so it's like you can have spoilers for 1989 if it's somebody's first time reading it. But if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> then either you've read it or you don't care. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Just warning about these issues. We don't care about spoilers. So no, we don't. If you want to, if you're worried about that, go read them first. Yep. 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 So real quick, because we, we were just starting to talk about this before we started recording. So I figured we'll just continue this on now. We were talking about the Acts of Vengeance crossover. So it's one of Marvel's earlier crossovers, but there was no... It's not like like they didn't have it down yet. There's no uh, main miniseries called Acts of Vengeance number one or two. It's just a whole bunch of series kind of going on at the same time. Yeah. There's no real It's kind of like an event more than like a story arc, you know? Like, let's switch up the heroes and villains for however many months this goes. Like an event based on a storytelling gimmick rather than an actual story. Right. Yeah. Now, which... Sorry, go on. 
which is not not to downplay you know it, its effectiveness or quality by calling it a gimmick. It's just that you know they had done some crossovers because you'd had Mutant Massacre, you'd had other stuff going the X Men. They knew kind of how that sort of crossover functioned, but I guess they're kind of experimenting with other kinds of crossovers here and uh, for 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 better or for worse. Well, it's yeah. kind of like, you know, have you ever wanted to see, like, Spider-Man fight Magneto? Well, now's your chance. You know, mm-hmm. that's basically what the entire thing is. And so some are good and some are not. Sp- Spider-Man, by the way, also having his own little event going on during all this. But Oh, yeah, the, cro- the Cosmic Spidey He, he was story. the Cosmic Spidey. So he fought a lot of interesting people during this event. But yeah, The Tri-Sentinel. Yeah. They yeah. did some interesting stuff here. I mean, some of the books took the chance to do something different with them. I mean, Daredevil apparently had a... I have not read those in Ascenti, John Romita Jr. Daredevil issues yet, but apparently there's a pretty decent story where he fights Ultron. Oh, wow. Which, Oh, I've read that, yeah. Interesting con- which is an interesting concept, because, I mean, it's Ultron, was, uh, and it's like, I got a billy club! That was part of Nascenti's, or yeah. however you pronounce her name's run, and great run. So, yeah, he beat up Ultron with a stick, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and in the X-Men, this is when Psylocke was changing from the British Psylocke to the Asian ninja assassin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because technically their villain, their, their X of Engines part was the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I was reading that, too. That's probably the only, that Captain America are the... Th- Four things I was reading, so I pretty much have read most of these, but not so much Punisher, not so much Punisher, Moon Knight. I don't know, Fantastic Four. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't read just... a lot of the others. I did read New Mutants. I was reading uh, Rusty and Skids fight the Vulture, from what I remember. Right, that was oh um, yeah, Rob Liefeld's beginning on that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the issue before any kind of riffed off some issues, some uh, panels of Ditko art. Homage, homage did it. Um. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, I don't know. It's possible. That's it's, it's possible. possible. That's what he meant. It is sure. Let's go with it. And what was it? X Factor had like a backup, like three, four page story where Apocalypse is approached by the uh, mysterious gentleman who's behind the whole thing and says, "Go away." Mm-hmm. So that was good enough for apparently to be a crossover. <laughs> but Thor is one of the Avengers, so th- and it was a mainly an Avengers based story. So Thor, I believe, is considered one of the core titles. If you're an Avengers fan, I can see that, yeah. For yeah. sure, yeah. The big three. Even though he was currently going through his own bit of identity crisis right now, because as we're going to get into it, this is a different Thor. Well, I mean, yeah. It's still well, it Thor. Is and it isn't, maybe. But yeah. Yeah, no, I was thinking about that, because it's weird. Because, well, we'll get into it once we get to the issue. Yeah. So, I guess, let's start. All right, The Mighty Thor, number 410. While Latveria trembles, Doctor Doom versus Doctor Doom, and featuring the Savage She-Hulk, which I could skip in the synopsis altogether and no one would notice. Okay. (laughs) Two Dooms to destroy me. Should I read the credits? Another Mighty Marvel masterpiece produced by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. Words, pictures, and plot. Joe Sinnott, finished art, Michael Heisler. Lettering, Vincent Russo, Vincent slash Russo coloring and Ralph, is it Machio or Machio editing? I never did know that. Is it Karate Kid or is it Machio? It's Karate Kid. Okay, Machio. Ralph Machio editing. The same guy. Um, So just to play catch up on, you know, 300 issues of Thor real fast. No, this period he is sharing a body with Eric Masterson. Um, 
just like he used to do with with uh, what's his mace? Don Blake. Don Blake. Don Blake, but this is like an actual person who has like a son and an ex-wife and a life and stuff. So he's trying to keep his identity a secret. Um, Doom, meanwhile, at some point decided to have a legacy or a retirement plan, and he like took a guy and recreated himself in this person physically and mentally to the point where new doom thinks he's old doom like that's how brainwashed he Mm -hmm. is right and then he leaves him in control of latveria and he goes on a trip to hawaii or wherever he goes but now he's decided he wants back in and new doom's like you're a faker old doom i'm not gonna let you take over my country so old doom apparently last issue or recently in these pages uh, stole Thor's hammer with a robotic device because you can't lift your hammer, the hammer when it's not a robotic device, I guess. Um, and so Eric Masterson and Hercules, who are roommates somehow, went to the Avengers and Cap or convinced Cap to let them borrow a Quinjet. And Cap also had She-Hulk go along because I guess he probably doesn't fully trust Hercules and some stranger human borrowing a Quinjet without explaining why so the three of them this is where we start now after all that this is where we start the issue um they're in the quinjet together she hulk doesn't know who eric masterson is um she finds hercules annoying we cut to dr doom old dr doom who has arrived back in latveria new dr doom is fully aware of it and he's putting up the defenses old dr doom has all these robots and he's basically using thor's energy he's not trying to lift the hammer or anything he's just using thor's energy to like break the latveria barrier or whatever and go fight new doom which he does but while that's happening hercules she hulk and eric masterson also arrive on the outskirts they confront the robots it's like a robot army that's like guarding this thor hammer they do an okay job, but of course Eric Masterson's only human, so he gets zapped and is possibly about to die. When, uh, uh, meanwhile, Doctor Doom, both of them are fighting each other. Old Doom beats New Doom, but just as he's about to kill him, New Doom's like, "Well, if you are the real Doom, then aren't you really sad that your awesome retirement plan didn't work? Doesn't that mean you're a failure?" Ooh, and that gives old doom pause because he hates being a failure uh, meanwhile eric masterson is cornered this robot's just about to kill him but he uses his walking stick that's not the hammer i guess to pull vault over and grab the thor hammer that is stuck in this energy stasis bubble everything explodes they all think eric masterson died but he doesn't he comes out as thor and he says victory is ours and he holds up the hammer Meanwhile, uh, I guess Old Doom, uh, uh, what happens? Oh, the alarm is sounded and stuff like that. So they basically, the, the new Doom guards chase Old Doom out. He decides not to kill him because he has this weird moment of whatever. New Doom is like, oh man, they saw me, my, my guards saw me uh, get defeated. So I guess I have to kill him. I gotta <laughs> um, kill them. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then Thor, She-Hulk and Hercules decide that's enough for today. They're not going to try and destroy Latveria or anything. They got the hammer. That's all they wanted. She-Hulk's kind of got some thought bubbles like, dude, I wish I had paid more attention who that human was. Cause now he's Thor. And geez, I had no idea. And also, even though Hercules is really annoying, he's hot. Um, and then we cut to Dr. Doom, the old one who's like living in some sort of fisherman's wharf or something, a warehouse. 
um, and he's really sad. And this mysterious shadow comes along and says, what if I told you I have an idea? And he's like, well, what's your idea? It's an act of vengeance. To dun, be dun, 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 dun. Awkwardly working in the movie title. <laughs> he said all it. He said it. it. All it will take is a simple act, an act of vengeance to, I don't know, get what he wants. One thing to point out, by the way, not only did Doom put, like you said, he basically put his brain over another guy's brain. It's not just another guy. It's a child. Kristoff is like barely older than Franklin Richards. Oh, I didn't pick up on that part. I I I didn't know who this was. Yeah, they don't show him without the armor here. But yeah, he's like eight. But he just got uh, supersized or something because he looks adult sized. Uh, It. Basically, it's like the big man. Oh, okay. He's wearing, he's in you know, a, he's he's wearing an arm. arm. It's, it's armor, but it's, you know, inside it's like, you know, just made for a kid. Okay. Okay, so I know that there's a rebellion in the Bronze Age in like the 70s. I just figured this was that guy. This is not that guy? No, no. That's like Prince Rodolfo or something. Right. That's his name. Okay. No, no. The story of that Kristoff, I forget how it happened exactly, but basically... Kristoff's mom and Kristoff were like doom, like pledged, you know, said, I will protect you. And then something happened and killed her. And so as like part of honor, doom basically took the kid in as like his ward and to be like, almost like his heir. And at some point doom quote unquote died. This is around secret wars. And apparently there were protocol. He had protocols in place that, like you said, when he died, Mm. they basically took all his memories. Cause I guess he kept, keeps storing them. And uh, put them inside Kristoff so Doom would live forever. But the whole thing is actually Kristoff gets all, as Doom, now he thinks he's Doom, he's so arrogant, he stops it early. So he doesn't get all of Doom's memories. It stops around the time of Fantastic Four, Four, or Five. So the first thing he does as Kristoff is what they did in Fantastic Four, Five. He sends the Baxter building to space. <laughs> God, And that's, that's actually why we get four Freedoms Plaza for the next 20 years, because the Baxter building is gone. It doesn't come back this time. Uh-huh. That's a pretty clever way of revamping your setting while also telling a story. And then, of course, Doom does come back eventually. And then we have like a good several years of Doom trying to get control back again. Because so, Kristoff fully thinks he is Doom. So this is, this is a Secret Wars fallout? Because I know that when Secret Wars happened... Everybody thought the heroes were dead. Like there were, you know, headlines and everything. And depending on who your hero was, they pursued that story to a greater or lesser extent. So this is that fallout from that. Like, I think I know there was a period of time like it's I don't wasn't reading all of them, including like Fantastic Four. But there was a whole. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a thing in John Burns Fantastic Four where he did a thing explaining how Doom was there for Secret Wars when Doom had died already. So. He transferred his mind or something, didn't he? Yeah, something like that. I don't. I didn't read well, all of Burns' run, so I'm not sure. I just know he was dead. I forgot to say okay. in this story that old Doom does mention that new Doom was activated too soon somehow on accident. Now it doesn't say because of Secret Wars, but that could be why. It was around. Well, it was around that time period. I'm not yeah. sure if it had anything to do with Secret Wars, but it's that time. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's always too soon. Act- activated too soon when you come back from the dead. So John and I are, you know, we, our podcast, we started with FF number one. So we don't really have any like backstory we have to fill in. We've read it, right? Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So it was kind of interesting to jump right into 410, which of course I haven't read, you know, the last 300 issues of Thor. But at the same time, I think it did a pretty good job of 
explaining this convoluted backstory. Yeah, between yeah, I, Eric Masterson on page two and Dr. Doom on page five, we were pretty much caught up on the most relevant parts of the plot. Yeah, so yeah, I, that was kind of cool. Kristoff being a kid is kind of interesting, but really wasn't relevant. No. It didn't affect, and, I don't think it affected the story. Maybe that was uh, a reveal issue, later. Yeah. What issue are you guys up to, by the way? I'm just curious for Thor. Uh, we are on 144 will be our next tomorrow's recording. Okay. So you're which is, uh, quite a ways away. Yeah. Now, one thing I was thinking about, because I was like, wow, it's pretty good. I'm having you guys on. Cause you guys are doing, obviously you're still in the sixties mm-hmm. and you can definitely say that the Falco and friends are definitely going for a very sixties vibe in this series. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you, I mean, do you think they're pulling as two people who are definitely, entrenched in that period of marvel does this feel like it works do you feel like it's a poor you know shadow of that or you know somewhere in the middle i was thinking that this was doing the whole secret identity bit more effectively than the original series ever did um one of the things that we've kind of had as a refrain on the show is that don blake isn't really worth much as a character and we're in this part where he's been brought back into the books and it seems like just an excuse to have him on the planet earth. They're not actually doing anything with him as a person. And, uh, it's kind of weird, especially now that he has, you know, awesome new lady friend from Asgard. Why does he want to go work in a doctor's office? So this is the, so he's dating Seth already. Mm hmm. Okay. Okay, because I knew I didn't read all of those, but I know in the one sixties he was dating Sif. So, because mm-hmm. that's yeah, they totally sweep Jane under the rug, like in this really horrible story. <laughs> like, you know what? We're done with Jane. Bye, the Jane. dismissal of Jane was one of the worst <laughs> moments of comics, and not because Jane got dismissed. Like, that's going to happen. You know, whatever. But just the way they did it. Ugh. Yeah. Clearly, they just had nothing, no ideas for her. And it's like, let's get rid of her. And by the way, Sif is in the last panel on this, in this same issue, you know. Let's and by on. the way, we are ham-fisted men who know nothing about writing stories about women. Right. Yeah, I, I can go with that because early on, I don't know if you know this, Michael, but early on in the show, we did a couple issues of Thor because Adam, Adam Warlock, or at the time he was called him, shows up in Thor. It's in the 160s. And it's all about Thor trying to rescue Sif. Okay. And then... We got to, and then we got to the issue of Marvel Premiere where he actually becomes Adam Warlock. So before I did that, I'm like, well, you know, the High Revolutionary is big in this issue. It's 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 he almost has a co-starring role in that issue. So let's cover the first two issues of the High Revolutionary, Thor 133 and 134, which also introduced the Man Beast, and it's all about Thor trying to rescue Jane Foster. And I'm reading those going, that's a really doesn't matter. Different girl, same thing. Yeah, (laughs) nothing changes. The very follow up of that story is when they dismiss jane completely oh they're they're out out of ideas he saved her now we're done is in the aftermath (laughs) of that story yep but i will say not that sif is part of these these three issues so i don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole too much but like i will say that sif to me is like the first uber strong female that marvel has written based at least what we've been reading i think I haven't. I ha- we haven't. We haven't got to the issue where apparently she's a damsel in distress. But right now she's not taking nothing from nobody. You know. All right, well, that's no, and she's a powerhouse. She's really good. Yeah, and she's really strong. And she challenged Thor. Like her first appearance, like Thor's like trying to show off how great he is. She's like, "Yeah, you're okay, but I'm better," which was just so cool. Because because we have been like in a drought on awesome women, kind of in our reading. So 
anything has been exciting. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we have She-Hulk here at least. I mean, granted, she doesn't do much towards the plot, but neither does Hercules. Do really. They just they're kind of they just play blocking for Eric. But as far as Ron Friends, by the way, as far as visually, I've always thought he's like a really polished Kirby in a good way. Like, I really, I've always liked his art. He was like the guy drawing Spider-Man when I, my brother and I first started collecting comics, and I was bumming his Spider-Man comics. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, any any character he does that's like Kirby-based, like Thor, obviously, um, I think he's mm-hmm. a great fit. And this was visually all very cool to me. This, I have to say, is my favorite out of the three issues. In I terms of art? Just overall. Yeah. Art, story, everything, plot. It just This worked the best out of, the, out of all three, I thought. Mm. At least for me. Uh, well, I guess, I mean, there's no sense dwelling on these too long since we've got three to cover. Anyone have anything else to say about Thor 410? I just thought it was funny when Doom was fighting Doom. I was like, Spider-Man knows all about this. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, just two of you? Forget it. Wait till you get like eight of you. And Hercules is so terrible. He finds feminism very frustrating. Yes. He's trying to treat She-Hulk like ye women's. And um, she's like, dude, um, I, anything you can do on this trip, I can do better. I am the She-Hulk. You are a powerhouse. I'm a powerhouse. And he's like, I, 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 I wanted to protect the women's. And, yeah. Which you'd think by Thor 410, he would realize by now that lots of males and females are powerhouses like he is. But... You would think so, but he's been around for 5,000 years, and this is just like yeah. since last Tuesday. Yeah. He doesn't pay attention <laughs> because I'm kind of remembering reading some of Roger Stern's Avengers, which is a couple years before this. Uh huh. And it's, there's, it seems like the same dynamic. Yep. yep. Spoilers She Hulk and Hercules do hook up, though. Well, that kind of was implied. <laughs> it's literally the same thing in those Avengers stories I remember reading. It's like yeah. she confuses him, she, he frustrates her, and at the end, they're both kind of like, hey, how you doing? Yep. So I don't know. Like maybe Hercules doesn't have really much of a short-term memory, uh, long-term memory. So it's just you know what he remembers for the last hour or two. Hercules is all about Hercules, I think. Well, there is that. I did like the time displacement cone because we've actually seen Thor use that power before. Oh, okay. Um, he created a time displacement zone around a house where uh, what's her face oh, Jane, Jane was dying. I remember you guys talking about that. It was like a it was like a trap that. You weren't sure how he knew about it or something like that. Something about the trap didn't make sense. Was yeah, it? so he, he freezes uh, it all in time and then goes inside. And yeah, so it's just kind of nice. To, it's, since you're talking about hearkening back to the 60s. Oh, that's what Dr. Doom does, right? With the hammer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's what it was. He wasn't lowering force fields. He was freezing the entire town. Or everybody except his armor prevented him from or prevented it from working on him. And then New Doom apparently had the same armor. So that's how they could fight. Yeah. Now you did. You did mention the the walking stick and the hammer being separate, because yeah. next we're going to see the walking stick turn into the hammer. So I was also kind of confused on that. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember if Eric Masterson has a limp. I don't remember that ever being true, but I guess it is, huh? Well, if he does, Maybe. then let's we can assume he already had a second one. So he yeah, just it's like up. a spare. If if his hammer's been taken, he needs it for to get around. So he took it. Okay. Yeah. He grabbed the spare from the closet on the way out that day. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I didn't read the previous issue either, so I don't know. Like you were guesstimating on the whole Cap thing, like Cap giving him. I mean, maybe Cap knew it was Thor. Who knows? 
I'm pretty sure nobody knew that Thor was replaced or, you know, switching back and forth with Eric. And I think so. Here's what I remember. And it could be wrong. But right now, Eric turns into Thor, like actual Thor, you know, Shakespearean Thor. Yes. Thor, Thor, Thor. But eventually he starts turning to Thor's body, but with his own brain. And that's when he's wearing like the, the mask. Yes. Like, right. he's got, like a helmet weird. mask. And yeah, that's that, when he – I remember those instances in particular. He was constantly trying to pretend to be Thor, but like his thought bubbles were, oh, God, they're on to me. Yeah, That's that, that's the Eric Masterson Thor that I was aware yeah. of. I didn't yeah. realize they had this actual Thor version. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't I don't know why that happened, like why where Thor goes. I can't remember. Um, from what I remember, because I started reading the issue he took over, which mm-hmm. was 430, 433. But apparently in 432, he had a big fight with Loki – and quote unquote killed him, mm. and Odin got pissed. Again? Yeah, and Odin got pissed and basically banished Thor, okay. but left his body with Eric in control of it. Okay, and that's a big part of Eric's story is Thor because that's when I started reading it, and I was reading it the whole way through. Eric as Thor is yeah. him trying to find out what did happen to Thor, like where is he, and to try and bring him back. Right, and so that's the Thor. If you're reading, if anyone's reading Infinity Gauntlet, that's the Thor or Operation Galactic Storm. It's again Mm -hmm. Eric as Thor. Mm -hmm. But yet at this point, it's like you said, it's like Dom Blake. They're two separate people, except this time Eric actually was a real person beforehand. It's like Rick Jones and Captain Marvel just kind of switching space. Exactly. Basically, but although there's a few times in some of these issues where they the thought bubbles is almost like they are the same person. Yeah. Like, well, that happened, that happened in the 60s, too. Like, like <laughs> that the, where, where the Thor too, right? brain, yeah. Yeah. Where the Thor but brain the... ended and the Don Blake brain began was not always clear. Yeah. Maybe that's, I mean, I don't remember if he's been merged with any other pe- people who were normal, so maybe that is what would happen anyway if Thor was merged with you, is that at some point you would start merging brains and thinking you're the same person. Maybe. Well, that makes sense because you are. I mean, you are literally Thor, so you should. I don't know. Well, it, are you, or are you going to some limbo while he takes your body over, or something? You know, uh, like Captain Marvel, like Captain Marvel. Yeah, hanging in the negative zone. But they never show that, so I really don't know how it works. Yeah, I don't think they've ever showed what happens to the body. But Eric body. Masterson does not talk like Thor in this issue, anyway. And I don't remember once he gets the mask and takes over the mind too if he does the Shakespeare thing or not, or if he just fakes it. He fakes it for a little while. Yeah. He doesn't want people to realize it's not him. But this one, like Thor's going, with the help of a the heart of a human of a mortal, I'm ret- I've returned. He's talking about Eric as if he's a different person. Alright. So on to Thor four eleven. You guys Nothing. don't want to do the oh, sorry. backup story? No, it's fine. We don't have to. I, I don't think so. I mean <laughs> it's actually it is- pretty fun, but it's pointless. Yeah, Volstag's gonna Volstag. Yeah, Volstag gets drunk and goes home, and people try and rob him, and he beats Uh, them up. But there's a poem, so that's what was fun about it, I guess. But it's better than the tales of Asgard we're reading, anyway. But uh, (laughs) that's not hard. Okay, so if anyone's out there and has not listened to Make Ours Marvel, we are not haters on the comics. We just are having some difficulties with some of the aspects of what we are reading. We're reading everything. We're not going to love everything. So I just want to put that disclaimer out there. I don't want to give a, a, a no, tone. We're, we're at the tail tail end of Tales of Asgard, and they are clearly just phoning it in. So that's why we're. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's 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 difficult to enjoy right now. 
And yeah. also to go on with what you just said, if you aren't listening to Make Ours Marvel, well, the link's in the show notes. Go do that right now. Well, after this episode, then go listen. But you should. Although, you're technically not covering everything. I mean, unless I'm a little behind, unless you've added in Millie the Model and... Uh, it's, not a, it's not Marvel the Universe. We're, we're, uh, we're waiting for some, some people to volunteer for supplemental material. So we're leaving that for them. Yeah. You're Anybody out there scared. love Westerns? No one's got to cover <laughs> Kid yet. Colt. Not yet. No one's volunteered, oddly. Hi, I'm John Wilson. And I'm Michael Kaiser. And we're the hosts of the podcast, Make Ours Marvel. You know, here we are in 2018, 10 years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Can you believe we live in a world where everyone's old Aunt Petunia knows who Iron Man is? It's crazy, right? So, to celebrate, we're on our mission to explore the roots of the Marvel Universe. You know you've thought about it. Some of you may have even done it. And now we're going to do it, too. We're diving back into the long boxes of Marvel's history and podcasting our way through the whole universe. All of it. Every superhero issue. And, if I can convince Mike, we'll even do Sergeant Fury. And it's not going to be one issue per episode. That'd take forever. (laughs) It's still going to take forever. But no, we're going to talk about as many comics as we can in an hour. Yep, an hour and, you know, maybe a little change. Every week, Marvel Comics. So it'd be super cool if you came along for the ride. Look for us every Friday at MakeOursMarvel.com. That's MakeOursMarvel.com. Or on iTunes and all the other usual podcasty places. And if you want to read along with us and send us your thoughts, we might even read emails. So until Avengers Infinity War gets a spin-off Warlock in the Infinity Watch TV show, Make Ours Marvel. All right. <clears throat> so here we go. Thor number 411. And this time it actually has the nice Axe of Vengeance banner on the top. I love being a bit banner. Nothing can stop the Juggernaut. As the Juggernaut is attacking Thor on the cover. And the story title is called The Gentleman's Name is Juggernaut. Another mighty Marvel milestone of pictorial splendor produced by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends, words, pictures, and plot. Joe Sinnott, finished art. Michael Heisler, lettering. Neil Yamatov, coloring. Ralph Macchio, editing. I messed you up. You put it in my head, man. Yeah. So we start off with Eric and his roommate, Harry Cleese. (laughs) So Hercules definitely knows his identity because Hercules is rooming with him. And they're seeing on the news about how Avengers Avengers Island has been sunk. Because for those who don't know, at this point, the Avengers have moved out of the mansion after the uh, Masters of Evil story, where they took over it and destroyed it. And they were on an island off of Manhattan called Hydro Base. And in the most recent issues of Acts of Vengeance for Avengers, the island, the base was uh, destroyed. Sucks to be them. Yes. And we jump over to England, where Juggernaut is being held captive. And I forgot to check to see if this took place after Excalibur number three, because they fight the Juggernaut there. This is how he got captured, right? I'm thinking Cause so. Because it's in England. That's what I assumed, but I don't yeah. know either. Yeah, I forgot to check that. But And if everyone has, anyone hasn't read that issue, that's a, fun, that's a fun fight between them and Excalibur, especially how it ends. But the uh, So Juggernaut is magically transported out of there and into the middle of New York City. And he's not sure why he's there, but he figures, well, if I just walk down the street, eventually somebody's going to attack me. And that's probably why I'm here. 
Eric notices that, so decides to go as Thor and not to bother Hercules because, well, Hercules is busy with busy with his new Walkman listening to music. And just so you know, that's basically what Hercules does for most of the issue. He just listens to Walkman. He's jamming. Yeah. And Leave so. Me alone and let me groove what do you think tunes. Hercules listens to? Oh, it does have music. He does sing. She drives me crazy. That's what he's listening to. Okay. Oh, there we go. That makes sense. So Thor goes and fights Juggernaut and is not doing that great a job. And for some reason, which I have no idea why, because everyone's been reading the issues right before or after this, Thor is getting weaker. And he's getting tiring easily. And meanwhile, a bunch of, looks like teenagers, see this and send uh, emails to each other saying, it's war, total war, get ready. Thor is doing not good against Juggernaut, including the fact that he actually threw the hammer Juggernaut's aura absorbs the momentum momentum of Thor's hammer to the point where Thor's hammer just kind of lands with a barely a dink against Juggernaut's helmet. And so he's beating the crap out of Thor, and then who shows up to save him at the end but the new brand new team known as the New Warriors. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> yeah. This was okay, pretty before fun. we get into it, did y'all notice the comics on Eric's and Hercules' table on the first page. Um, Al- yes. Alf comics and Thor comics. Well, because I, in, I think it's this issue or the next one, but you can definitely see Hercules is reading one of the Alfs. And that was all that was being done by Marvel at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Alf even had a quote-unquote evolutionary war crossover annual. Uh-oh. That sounds suspicious. Yeah. I don't think it what will. is on Eric's shirt? Because it looks like the part end. of the Avengers logo. Mm. But it says per, P-E-R. I want to say property. Like property of Avengers. <sighs> I like that. Let's go with that. So That's just get it. They get free t-shirts when they're joined. Yeah. Cool. Avengers had at this time. Avengers got all kinds of cool stuff. You had support staff, and you know you had a stipend. Yeah, they did. That's right. Yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, this is a good if, time to be an Avenger. If I were to write a letter to Misters DeFalco and friends, it would be entitled "Juggernaut is not a mutant." Signed, oh, John Wilson. Do they say he's a mutant? Over and over again. Yes. Uh, whoops. <laughs> but I didn't no notice prize. That. He does. Juggernaut say it. The narration oh. says it. Well, oh. wait, I got to go back to that part. Is it the narration or is it like the captioning from like a news report or people talking? Because hmm. that's the question. Because, I mean, if you see him, because, I mean, the X-Men are always involved with mutant stuff. It's either Sentinels or, I mean, from what people can see in the Marvel Universe, there's either robots or other mutants fighting mutants. Yeah, it's a narration. So, Even as the mighty Thunder God takes to the sky, the mutant menace unexpectedly renews his onslaught. Is he a menace to mutants, or is he a mutant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's messed up. Okay, so then they screwed up. Yeah. You know who else I'd write a letter to? Yeah. I'd write a letter to Eric Masterson and say, if you see Juggernaut on the news and you plan to attack him, invite Hercules. Yeah, dude. that was nuts. You need all the power you can get on this, and you left the powerhouse at home. Right? Yeah. 
I mean, although it's interesting, like how many people have actually fought the Juggernaut besides the X-Men and Spider-Man before this? I mean, was this that's like what's arrogance? Kinda, that's what's cool Hulk? about the event is like Thor versus Juggernaut. Wow. Yeah. I think it was in a Hulk issue that uh, fell out of the Amazing Adventures storyline. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's not like Hulk talks to people a lot. So, I mean, oh. if like, what would what would Eric or Thor have seen on the news about the Juggernaut? Him finding the X Men and him finding Spider Man. Thor might be like, I can take this guy. Spider Man took him out. I think that, but Eric shouldn't have. But anyway, I don't really know Eric very well. Maybe he's an idiot. I'm really kind of bummed too that, I, like you said, I don't know what the mysterious, you know, energy sucking business is either that's happening in this story. But it's like that was a bummer that that happened because it's like I wanted to see full on Thor fight full on Juggernaut and like not have this weird dizzy spells. Yeah, so, and we're not we're not really gonna get that. Nope. Oh, we also need to send a letter to colorist Neil Yamtov. Uh huh. Because I don't know if anyone else has read New Warriors, but Cord. Not uh-huh. a white guy. This I was thinking the same thing. Now, possibly, possibly, Marv Wolfman or whoever the Tonda Falco, sorry's version of Cord, and is it Nisiesa? Fabian Nisiesa's version of Cord are yeah, different. Yeah, yeah Nisiesa and uh, Bagley were the creators of were the New Warrior creators. Okay, so I would assume they are the creators of Cord. Well, maybe they just maybe the maybe the official uh, whatever it looks like memo hadn't got out yet. They just was miscommunication or whatever that they didn't re- you know they didn't realize that mm-hmm. he wasn't supposed to be. But I just it was one thing I noticed as reading it. I'm like, who's this guy? That's not Cord. <laughs> so, do you all love the new Warriors? Because the new Warriors are super loved by a lot of people. It seems like. I, I I enjoy the series. Um, I started into it. I don't feel like I was as blown away as I wanted to be based on all the hype. Mm-hmm. But there's after you get through the little bit of, hello, we are a late 80s, early 90s comic trying to find <laughs> our way. In the first yeah. few issues, it gets into a pretty solid um, subplots and drama that build to a head. Mm-hmm. I want to say around issue 50 or it might have been issue 25. Uh, definitely 25 there's a 25 there yeah so and that was that was rather satisfying to get to but yeah i I like new warriors i think it's a concept that um kind of sad that it's eventually gonna die yeah yeah no i i picked it up with issue one and i i enjoyed it for like the first four years or so four or five years i read it I liked it a yeah. lot. I like a lot of the I like a lot of those side characters anyway. So Namorita is fun, and you know brings back Nova. That was my introduction to Nova. Notice he kid- calls himself Nova, not Kid Nova. <laughs> yeah, that was something in the first few issues they dropped pretty quickly. I think other people called him Kid Nova, and he yeah, never which, did. But I could be wrong. Which is funny because it's the same Nova from the '70s yeah. series. It's not like it's somebody right. else. But this is like younger. this is like a. These guys are all teenagers, basically, right? Or yeah, are late teens, early, early, late. They're somewhere in the teenage years, but some, but more like seventeen, eighteen. So for the most part. Richard Rider's got to be like twenty. Yeah. Like Marvel doesn't really do the sidekick thing much, other than you know Golden Age characters, and they yeah. don't do the kid thing much. So this was kind of like their first stab at like a Teen Titans. Yeah, vibe. definitely. Yeah. yeah. And all the characters here had been seen before, except for Dwayne Taylor. 
yeah, Night Thrasher is his first appearance. But everyone else, obviously, Firestar. Well, everyone knows who Firestar is. I mean, everyone on the show, yeah. at least. Yeah. She's the reason I was reading New Warriors, because I like her a lot. And did Guardians of the Galaxy already come out, or is this the first Marvel? Was this the first Astro incarnation? No, no, no. This is after all of that. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. kind of cool, too. I always liked that there was, like, two of them. It was interesting. Yeah, and they're in very similar costumes, too. Mm-hmm. And Nimarita, well, I guess Nimarita is technically a teenager, but, I mean, she's Atlantean, so she's probably, like, 40 at this point. 400-year-old teenager, <laughs> yeah. But she's a powerhouse, and she's pretty great. Um, yeah. The whole like, it's war thing, whenever they first come in, feels like a catchphrase that didn't stick. Yeah. Luckily. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised that Richard Ryder was calling them instead of Dwayne Taylor because he's the, you know, pretty much go-to team leader once that team gets underway. But I guess Nova is one of the main ones to be recognized. Here's my lame 60s brain for like 0.03 seconds. I forgot the New Warriors were in this issue. And I thought that was like Rick Jones calling the team brigade for like <laughs> a half a second. Because that, that 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 Richard Ryder kind of looks like a Rick Jones, right, mm-hmm. on that page, and I'm just like, oh, is he going to call the team brigade to like, I don't know what, help with this catastrophe? Oh, wait, never mind. Duh. New You're Warriors. right. It does have a very team brigade feel to it. That page. Mm-hmm. But just you know, the late '80s, early '90s version. You know, it's not ham radio. It's you know, right. we're talking on our computers. He actually literally is typing. It's war. So that was their go-to, I guess. That's weird. By the way, it's war time. Look at that that picture of Vance Astro, though, or Vance Astrovic. He looks insane. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of scary. Oh, oh, and uh, Speedball's friend has a mullet. I love well, it. Well, it was the day. I know, but still. Speedball I just think- got through trying out for the Avengers. Did you guys ever read that issue? That was hilarious. No, did not I, make I, it. I did. I must have read it, but I don't remember it. It was actually in a Cap comic, but uh, mm. this was, and it was like Speedball and like Blue Shield, or I can't remember what the hell that guy's name was. He just has mm-hmm, like a. Mm-hmm. I feel like and, I remember that. And like Speedball just could not stop bouncing and running into everybody, and Cap yes. was finally just like, just stop. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. he finally stops, like, yeah, none of you are ready. Get out of here. I remember <laughs> that. up in New Warriors. Because I read all of the uh, I read all the speedball appearances leading into New Warriors. I read the whole Steve mm-hmm. Ditko series, and yeah, that was fun too. That makes sense because actually the first issue of New Warriors starts with Vance Astrovic trying to join the event, prove he should join the Avengers, and he mm-hmm. sets up the security system, and he can't even get to the front door. Yeah, <laughs> they just the security system just takes care of him. Well, he gets in eventually. True, but after, him and Firestar. After New Warriors, yeah, for a little while. I really liked Juggernaut's move with the hammer. It that flies towards him and tinks off his armor, and he grabs it uh-huh. and swings on the enchantment, and that's how he takes down Thor. That was fantastic. That, that was really cool. That was brilliant. More brilliant than you'd expect from Mr. Marco. Talk about deflating, because the page before is like this brilliant, full-on, dialed to 11 Thor going to throw his hammer and just take care of business. And it's like, nope, deflate. (laughs) Didn't work. I'm sorry. That's interesting though. I didn't really, I I knew he was unstoppable quote unquote, but I guess I didn't realize that like his power kills momentum and stuff too. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I remember that. I think it's one of those things that people kind of forget about 
Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's one of those things like he and slash or the writers may have figured out over time. You've got this power. You don't really know how it works. Only that it works. Yeah. But eventually, so you would that mean like if the Hulk went to swing at him with his fist, like would he slow down? If it's um, remembered. Because he doesn't. If you're just me with my science brain, if, if you're driving the fist, there's a motivational force behind it. So he could continue pushing his fist through the field. The uh-huh. hammer doesn't have like something pushing it. It is going on sheer, um, sheer momentum. Thing. Yeah, it's going the momentum of Thor throwing. It. It's not like the uh-huh. hammer has an engine pushing it. All right, right, I like that answer. Comics still make sense. Awesome. Woo-hoo. Yay! That made me nervous. I thought I was gonna have to quit reading. John right? saved comics. Yay! Third time this week. Hey, that's a, that's a name for a podcast. John, John saves, saves comics. comics. Yes. <laughs> It's all I can do to read him. I don't want to go saving him. <laughs> oh. All right. Should we get hey, on to my issue? I was going to say, anyone have anything else about Thor 11? It's really cool. Cool fight. I wish he didn't get dizzy, but otherwise it was really fun. Yeah. It kind of okay. has to get dizzy, though, or else they don't need to show up, I guess. Right. Well, we yeah. need an excuse to bring these guys in. Yep. Yeah. And I wonder why they picked this issue I mean, was the Defal- Falco wasn't editor in chief yet, right? I don't think he was. Uh, doesn't say. Because I mean, I'm just wondering why they picked Thor to introduce the new warriors. Good question. I really thought that DeFalco helped create them, and it was Nisiesa and um, Bagley who used them in their series. I could be wrong on that. Said as created by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends, according to Wikipedia. Oh, so maybe that's okay. So maybe he did. So maybe they actually just literally wanted it for this thing, and then it spun off or something. Yeah, that sounds that sounds reasonable. They they introduced them here, planning to do something with them, and those plans metamorphosed into the other team launching the series. That's what I'm going to go with. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Oh, and he was editor in chief since '87. Okay. Oh, that's right, because that was the big shift in Spider-Man storytelling when Defalco took over. Okay. Pre-87 Spider-Man and post-87 Spider-Man are two different beasts. But that's a story for the podcast. (laughs) There was an idea. To bring together a group of remarkable people. To see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could make the podcasts. That they never could. In time... You will know what it is like to cross over. To feel so desperately that the comic is right, yet to fail all the same. Dread it. Run from it. March 2021 still arrives. Evacuate the network. Engage all defenses. And get this man a cold Mountain Dew. Ooh, a cold Mountain Dew. I haven't tried one of those. Nah, nah, nah.
make it warm. Thank you. Fun isn't something one considers when podcasting an event. But this <laughs> does put a smile on my face. the hell are you guys? The Merry Marvel Marching Society. We don't know where we're going, but we're on the way. A podcasting crossover mega event in the spirit of JL May. Coming in March 2021. Covering Marvel's fall crossover event, Axe. A vengeance. A cabal of evil threatens the Avengers and the entire Marvel Universe. Doctor Doom, the Red Skull, Kingpin, Doctor Doom, Magneto, the Wizard, Doctor Doom, the Mandarin, and Doctor Doom have banded together to pit Earth's mightiest heroes against foes they have never faced before. An array of heroes face enemies they are totally unfamiliar with. But who is secretly pulling the vengeful cabal strings? And can the Avengers take down the true mastermind before his hidden scheme succeeds? Featuring podcasts from Third Degree Burn, Back to the Bins, Avenger Spotlight, Coffee and Comics, Comic Book Time Machine, Doom Speak, Fan Holes Podcast, Fire and Water Podcast Network, Head Speaks, Into the Weird, Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast, Longbox Crusade, Married with Comics, The Quantum Cast, Resurrections, an Adam Warlock podcast, Rolled Spine podcasts, and Views from the Longbox. Marching its way to your favorite podcatchers and hosting sites in 2021. Act of Vengeance, a true story. All right. We ready for the Mighty Thor 412? Yes. Yep. Okay, this is the mid-December issue on sale on October 24th, 1989. Guest starring Namorita Firestar, Kid, Nova Speedball, Marvel Boy, Night Thrasher versus the Unstoppable Juggernaut. Plus the first look at Marvel's newest super team, the New Warriors. What do you mean plus? That's exactly what you're advertising on the cover. Okay. <laughs> Stan Lee presents The Mighty Thor. This is when Thor was no longer just Thor. It was being called the Mighty Thor because, you know, he's the mighty now. Juggernaut, you know, he came here for some act of vengeance and he's taken down the Mighty Thor when he's faced off with a half dozen snotty nosed, pimple faced kids. We've got Nova blasting around like he's Cannonball. We got, um, is he Marvel Boy right now? Marvel yeah. Boy, 
standing there with his Mr. Sinister cape. We've got Namorita in a bathing suit and hair. We have Night Thrasher in his armor and his skateboard because he can't be a black Marvel superhero in the 80s without a skateboard. Or the 90s. Or early 2000s. <laughs> Speedball! He's not bouncing. He's just standing there looking all garish. And Firestar is so fantastic. And she is going to save the day at the end, and she does not even know it yet. So Speedball, being the young, rash bucko that he is, jumps into the fray ahead of everybody else. And he bounces all over the place. He's completely useless. He gets swatted into the side of the mountain. See you later, Speedball. All the other two were like, okay, well, so much for that guy. Let's just go get Juggernaut together as a team. And they fight Juggernaut. And we're not going to do a play-by-play because that would be too annoying. But our mysterious Loki person is looking on (laughs) in satisfaction saying, oh, yes, Thor has finally fallen. There's no need for concern. This is a beautiful act of victory. Vengeance. Sorry, I got confused on my V words. Okay, meanwhile, back in Manhattan, Night Thrasher is trying to thrash the night all over Juggernaut whenever Juggernaut grabs his ankle and throws him away, and Firestar catches him and saves the day. Namorita and Nova grab a couple of boxcars and throw them at the Juggernaut, because that's how you take down a walking tank. You throw trains at him. And so the new girl's like, whew, that was, that was quite the fight, and Speedball bounces, and hey, did I miss everything? They're like, yes, you did. But we're like, wait a second. <laughs> Juggernaut throws off the boxcars. Why do y'all look so surprised? Told you, nothing could stop me. I didn't lie. Meanwhile, back at uh, Thor's house, uh, Hercules is reading comics. Little Thor is playing with toys. Mrs. Thor is watching TV. When old Mrs. Thor, it's not Mrs. Thor, I'm so sorry. Assistant Thor, what is her job? Uh, yeah. They say assistant, so let's go with that. Assistant Thor is watching over the kid when ex-Mrs. Thor walks in and says, please tell Thor that I'm here to get custody of my son back. And they're like, Hercules, can you say it? Hercules says, oh, yes, verily. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, that's his wife? I thought that was Mary Jane. (laughs) (laughs) Her face is not being eaten by a flower. Oh, that's right. Other than that, you've got the look. Okay, meanwhile, back at the uh, train yard, new warriors are continuing to try to fight uh, Juggernaut. It's not going so well, and Thor wakes up. And Thor's like, verily, verily. And so he takes his Thor hammer, and he cracks down on the ground and brings a thunderbolt right down on Juggernaut. And Juggernaut just stands there. (laughs) That tickled. Do it again. I was reading Superman earlier. That's what he says. We get hit by lightning bolts. I was going to say, no, I'm Juggernaut Thor. Yeah, okay. Um, So... Then Thor's like, okay, you know what? This is not going to work. Let's do this. Um, We're going to blast a hole in the ground for the Juggernaut to fall into. And then the uh, um, Namorita and Kid Nova, the two powerhouses of the team, they throw a lot of steel girders in on top of Juggernaut. Um, Firestar flies over and shoots the metal with her microwaves, which causes the microwave to explode and burn your house down. Because everybody knows you don't put metal in the microwave. 
But no, what really happens is that she melts the steel girders down into a pool of molten metal, which basically slurps all around Juggernaut. So now he's in this metal. Thor uses his hammer to free freeze the metal, lifts the metal with the Juggernaut trapped inside out of the ground, uses his time and space warping powers to send it to somewhere else. And whenever Juggernaut busts free from the metal, he is on some moon of Ragador or something out in space. And Loki, I mean, mysterious guy's like, well, what about my acts? My acts of vengeance. And uh, New Warrior's like, what's up, Thor? And Thor's like, yo, y'all gonna be pretty good kids. We have to finally get your own book here in a couple of years. Verily, verily. And he flies away. And someone in that dimension is like, dad. Thor dumped another villain in our backyard again. <laughs> Put him with the others. Oh, this so, is yeah. weird. Like, if this is their first appearance, and I'm saying this as in the New Warriors, uh, and they're all like, we're here to destroy street crime. But then it's like, but we're fighting the juggernaut. Which isn't really street crime, per se. So that's kind of odd. And I also don't remember Night Thrasher being insane. No, is that, I is that don't a thing recall that... that either. Or Firestar being the only one who can calm him down. <laughs> the sun's I, getting real low. Yeah, I think that I don't recall this at all. So either they drop it completely for the se- when the series starts, or they drop it pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, Night Thrasher is supposed to be a different take on Batman, right? He's he's a reinvented Batman. So well, maybe yeah, that they were going for a somewhat psychotic over-the-edge Batman, because that is definitely an interpretation for Batman that's been done. Damn. That Frank Miller? Yeah. Moon Knight. Or Moon Knight, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that I remember thinking that was weird when I was reading this. I'm like, when does Night Thrasher go crazy, and when does Firestar like, calm him down? Like, They had no real connection like that. <laughs> yeah. I guess it was ideas they had, you know, the Falcon friends had that Nisias and uh, Bagley were like, nah, we're gonna skip that. Uh, Sounds right. Uh-huh. So, like, Eric's ex-wife is completely devoid of light that everybody else seems to be enjoying, <laughs> and like, she's this weird dark blue and head to toe and this mysterious hat. And I was like, wow, is like Eric Masterson's ex-wife the mole man or something? I can't remember. And I looked she's it up. Shadowless. It turns out it's just Tella? Eric's. It's just Eric's ex-wife. Like that's it. Oh. That's uh-huh. weird, right? Like I thought it'd be someone. So you're saying that it could ha- we could have seen her face, and it wouldn't matter because no. she's not a person we would know. So yeah. either at this point they were thinking maybe they're going to try and make it someone we know, and then they gave up on that idea, or I don't know what the point of this mystery was. It's just his ex-wife. Yeah, I have, I have no clue because that's new to me. I love how Hercules is like, oh no, ex-wives. That's some serious drama. I'm yeah. nervous for him. I'm not worried about him being unconscious of the juggernaut about the step on his head. I guess he missed that part, yeah. But he has to deal with a woman. That's the problem. Well, it's it's the ex-partner <laughs> aspect of it, I think, is is going yeah. to... Yeah. Even a little... Recover custody of my son, that's always not a good thing to hear. Right. I, I, I remember that happening a few times when Eric was, the, you know, the... The run I was reading when Eric was Thor. I remember that happening once or twice. And it probably is harder to be a father when you're also being Thor all the time, right? Yeah. 
And the kid does come back eventually because he was, uh, if anyone ever read uh, the Asgardians of the Galaxy series, he was Thunderstrike in that one. <gasps> He's Thunderstrike? Uh-huh. Well, the second Thunderstrike. Eric was the first. Yeah. Oh, okay, so Eric Masterson, after he stops being Thor, goes on to be Thunderstrike. Yeah, they throw him a bone and give him power so he can keep on being a superhero. And that lasts 24 issues. According to DeFalco, it sold more than Thor. Uh, I remember reading it. It was kind of fun. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I I mean, I don't know why it got canceled, but I know it ended, and uh, spoilers, Eric dies. Yes. Oh. And... um, then at some point in the future, his son becomes Thunderstrike as well. When he's because, all grown up, yeah, because there's a re- there was a recent Asgard recent as in like the last five years as Guardians of the Galaxy series, mm-hmm. and he was part of it. So Franklin Richards is still twelve, but Eric Masterson's son has become an adult is now Thunderstrike. Hey, at least I, Franklin's I, twelve now. I mean, he spent longer. I mean, for the most part, he was six or four and a half. Sorry, twelve. I thought he was a full-grown adult at this point no i don't know oh at this that point was, it's all weird you might be thinking of the uh the like time travel stories of the x-men of the 90s where he showed up as an adult well okay. no there's also in fantastic force he goes to the future and comes back as a teenager and well, then they reverse that if no one else is aging i don't know why the kids ever age but whatever marvel do what you want to do but yeah so big fight issue yep Big fight resolution. I thought it was a pretty great showing for the new warriors. Obviously mm-hmm. there are concept changes, but it's a pretty great first outing. And Thor does of course get the last hit end, but I think everybody else gets a good chance to show their power and Firestar of all the new warriors. Firestar is the one who puts the icing on the cake at the end. Mm-hmm. So she does get the, get the shot that makes it all work. I think it's funny that yeah. Thor takes out juggernaut by like 60 style. Because we still get that sometimes. Where he oh, yeah. It's like zaps them in off. another dimension. Yeah. I'll send the Masters of Evil to another dimension where their powers don't work. Okay. Oh, yeah. Cool. Instead of just beating them up. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's a nice show. Like you said, nice show for the new words. I mean, it's weird seeing them so early on since I've seen these, you know, we've seen these characters much later. And, obviously, their powers have cha- uh, upgraded a bit. I mean, here, Marvel Boy is basically at this very same, more or less this level that Jean Grey was in, in like, X-Men 1. He's just kind of, like, lifting debris and stuff. He's not really, you know, he's not that strong a telekinetic at this point. No. That's the future. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of interesting to see that, that he's basically at Jean Grey's level from, and I mean Jean Grey from issue one of X-Men. Yeah. Well, he's better than that, because... Or else he'd just be like the secretary in this issue, probably. But she is, she is getting better. Yeah. I like that Thor, like, they're all like, we're the new warriors, and we're going to crush vermin and, and be mean and stuff. And he's like, okay, but don't forget, you should also have some mercy. And then he flies away. Skadoosh. So it turns out that Juggernaut becomes king of this planet. Oh, of course. In oh, 428, boy. Thor and Excalibur and the Wrecking Crew and Code Blue are all fighting. And um, eventually at the end, Thor agrees to show Excalibur where he left Juggernaut. He transport them to the asteroid and they get ambushed. And the ambushers take them before their king, who is Juggernaut. Wow. I think so, I have. I think I bought those because of Excalibur being in it. Yeah, Captain Britain's on the cover. Uh, Thor's in the middle with Captain Britain on one arm and um, the guy with the crowbar. 
the wrecker yeah on the other arm now john considering some stuff you said earlier in the beginning of your synopsis were you referring to the Dwayne mcduffie uh little fake uh uh proposal when you're talking about night thrasher I don't remember what I said. I was mostly making stuff up as I went. You're talking about like the uh, the um, the skateboard? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That was the first thing I thought of when you said that. Yeah, I recently I read that. Dwayne McDuffie uh, wrote to the editorial offices of Marvel at some point trying to, you know, make the case for the black superhero in a sarcastic way. Uh, mm-hmm. I think if I remember the document correctly. And um, I have it up here if you want. If, I have it up actually. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, Michael, is this new to you or did you know? Yeah, I've never heard of this. So, yes, yeah, from Dre McDuffie, it says proposal. I mean, if you don't mind, John, since I actually have the whole thing here. Go for it. Okay. Sorry. This means, yeah, proposal for a new series Teenage Negro Ninja Thrashers. First draft, <laughs> December 13th, 89. So he wrote, in the past year, 25% of all African-American superheroes appearing in the Marvel Universe possess skateboard-based superpowers. In an attempt to remain on the cutting edge of comics, I hereby propose a new series that will fully exploit this exciting new trend. When a group of teenage Negroes find cosmic-powered skateboards, their lives are forever changed. A team of distinct characters join together, swearing an oath to use their powers for good. Rocket Racer, a black guy on a skateboard. Night Thrasher, a black guy on a skateboard. Dark Wheelie, a black guy on a skateboard. And their leader, the mysterious black guy on a skateboard. Known only as that mysterious black guy on a skateboard. If that was dated December of 89, it must have been inspired by this comic. That's what I'm thinking. Like, Night Thresher comes out and Dwayne is like, oh, for sake. And it's just like, I've had enough of this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Writes the comic. Yeah, it does seem stupidly out of place, doesn't oh, it? Like Considering what happens in this issue, the the last part of this is definitely inspired by this issue. Because he wrote, this is a surefire hit as it contains all of these popular elements. Circa 1974 clothing and hairstyles. Bizarre speech patterns unrecognizable by any member of any culture on the planet. A smart white friend to help them out of the trouble they get into. Their heroes could be who could be you, if you were black, I mean. They're on <laughs> skateboards. They have an attractive white female friend to calm them down when they get too excited. Mm-hmm. Face it, Pilgrim. This one's got it all. Have I made my point? <laughs> Damn, wow. Dwayne McDuffie is savage. I mean, I really liked him as a creator before this, but I read this a couple first time a couple years ago, and after I read this, I'm like, oh, man, I love this guy even more. In the Twitter rounds a few weeks ago. It, it pops up periodically, yeah. I wonder if this is why they dropped the whole Night Thrasher going crazy thing. Maybe. They should have dropped the skateboard immediately, too, because that just makes no sense. I, You know, I'm trying to remember. I think the skateboard does kind of phase out before too long in the series. I mean, what's wrong with him just being a credibly, you know, trained ninja athlete with body armor and, you know, billy clubs to beat people to death with? That's what he should be, right? And uh, mm-hmm. being a, like a millionaire with all kinds of tech and stuff. Mm-hmm. A skateboard. <laughs> it's just a stilly, man. I don't know. It, yeah, it, I saw yeah, that so on this issue. and was like, what? I don't remember him having a skateboard. I'm looking up his covers of his miniseries, and there's no skateboard in sight. He's got the Eskrima sticks. And he's got the armor, no skateboard. 
Yeah, like I said, I think, I mean, I'm going by memory because it's been a long time since I read that original New Warrior series. But I think the skateboard, they kind of phase it out within like the first year or so. Good. Maybe, yeah, because of that letter. I would hope so. Please. My kingdom for Dwayne McDuffie actually making changes in comics. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking about it when I said it before, but yeah, this is, I'm going to go with, that's my reasoning why they dropped this whole Firestar can calm him down from going crazy bit. And he has a thing for Silhouette, who is not a white girl. She's yeah. a person of color, which, you know, trying to help break that trend. And I, um, think they, I think they made him pretty smart himself. I don't think he needed the smart white friend. No, well, that's what he, he's kind of an interpretation of Batman. He's the rich person who's being taken care of by his caretakers. He's got, you know, the wealth. He's got the uh, computer knowledge. He's got the fighting skills. Batman never explicitly wore armor during this time frame, but he makes could have sense. Been. Yeah. Most most visual interpretations of Batman have him in armor. Yes. But yeah, what do we uh, what do we think of the Thor Acts of Vengeance story? It was cool. I mean, like I, I guess the whole point of Acts of Vengeance is to see people fight people you don't normally see them fight, and so we get that. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't know what else to take from it. In more ways than one, because we've never seen the New Warriors fight the Juggernaut before. True. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the New Warriors really haven't fought anybody before, but still, you know. Yeah. They haven't All fought right. Juggernaut. Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't know if we've seen Thor go up against Juggernaut. Probably not, since that was the pairing they chose for this. Um, right. Yeah. Here's my thing about the entire title of this crossover, though. Vengeance means that somebody has wronged you and you are avenging that wrong. So who is avenging and who is being avenged in these acts of vengeance? Is it just Loki having a piss party on, on all the superheroes? Oh, yeah. Well, there, there were various scenes throughout this event where multiple villains were in the same room with this mysterious Loki talking about how they're going to get back at the superheroes by switching it up. So it's like all of kind of like a mass acts of vengeance i guess okay so it's a mass group effort to get back to the superheroes uh yeah okay what i remember reading about it it's loki using all the villains to get their own vengeance and using them getting their own vengeance to get his vengeance Mm -hmm. his vengeance is the most important one of them all as far as he's concerned but if they get theirs that helps him that works for me and then it ends with loki creating a tri-sentinel who gets beat up by cosmic spider-man the end the end. <laughs> it's a really weird event now that you guys like kind of point that out to me. Like there really is no like I mean there is a backstory going on throughout the whole thing, but it isn't like this attack of Atlantis or something like that, you know. Right. Like, yeah, because at least Atlantis attacks had an order. Had an order and it was all annuals and all that. But like, yeah, there's just like kind of everybody's just kind of doing their thing, but they're fighting different villains. Exactly. So, I mean, you get some good, some bad. I mean, I know the Cap ones are pretty good, apparently, with the, uh, particularly the Magneto versus uh, Red Skull. That was a great, like, uh, one, that was one of those scenes where they're all in a room together. Magneto's like, you know what? I hate the freaking Red Skull. And then, like, that was a backup story where he puts the Red Skull in a pit and leaves him there to die. So, like, there's at least three stories of, like, the Red Skull not knowing if he's going to survive going crazy. <laughs> so, Crossbones saves him. Quick tangent yeah. side note. When yes. I looked at the next uh, Juggernaut story, I was like, oh, Wrecker. When are we going to find Wrecker? Because we haven't fought Wrecker before, and Wrecker's kind of a big deal. And just, Mike, in case you're wondering, the Wrecker is coming up in Thor 148. So not too Ooh. far away. 
Oh, that's okay. right. You haven't got to the record yet. Oh, wow. No. And I also realized that we're getting really close to the whole big reveal of what is going on with Thor and Don Blake, because that happens in the 150s. Oh, what the is the going truth on about Thor Don Blake? Like the whole, re- the big reveal, basically, the big explanation. Right now, what are they doing? They're fighting the uh, enchanteries or something. The enchanters, enchanters. Mm-hmm. They, they, that. And we don't know what that is. Yeah. They have it's their little talisman. You say it's him. It's him. <laughs> We just did oh, that story him. too. We're in Fantastic Four. We did. We did. Yeah, he'll be back in the one sixties. We haven't actually seen him yet, but nope. he was there. And we won't until the last page. Oh God. <laughs> oh yeah. That did not play out the way I expected it to. But we'll talk about that on our own show. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're pretty much at the end of this now. Unless anyone has any final thoughts on these. No, this is a fun little story. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It was one of the it was one of the more decent acts of vengeance. I mean, there are some pretty bad issues issues of acts of vengeance. I mean, I'm thinking of even though I love the series in general, but the power pack issue. Mm. Who did they fight? Typhoid Mary. Oh, really? That's weird. Yeah. That well, is this was very it was a weird era for power pack. This is towards the end of the run. So oh, is this? Yeah, power pack gets some really weird creative teams toward the end. Yeah, yeah. At this point, we've lost Simonson and Brigman and Bo- John Bogdanov. So it's all newer people trying to make a break, make do something, and doesn't really work out too well for them. I, I think like the only the only power pack I've ever read was like they had just swapped all their powers, so it was very confusing, and I didn't get very far. I don't know when that was. Um. That's a little bit of fun towards the beginning. They swap their powers in like the first big arc, I think. No, no, no. They get their powers in the first big arc. They do swap their powers while the original team is on the book. Yes. Um, and then they swap them again later on. Yeah. So Power Pack 52 is the current issue on stands right now. And it's John Bogdanov and Mike Manley. And yeah, 53 is the cross is X of Vengeance. Oh, that's Terry Austin. Terry Austin and Ernie Colon. That okay. okay. Well, that that explains that. Michael Higgins. Michael Higgins is the name that every time I see him show up on a late '80s, early '90s comic, I'm like, <sighs> "What is he a writer?" Yeah, yeah. And he wrote the end of Power Pack. He wrote um, some Excalibur. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he did some of the Excaliburs. Like, did he write some of the issues of Excalibur? Like in that dark dead area between like Claremont leaving and Alan Davis coming back as the exactly exactly yep yeah where it was kind of like they just kind of found somebody in this office said you yeah you're writing Excalibur I am I mean this issue it's due tomorrow get working and that's how they did Excalibur for like two years I think Mm -hmm. I just don't understand how Typhoid Mary could survive more than two panels against the power pack but hey I guess I have to read it or you don't. Oh. Or I don't. That's true. I think I'll be fine, not knowing. Yeah, you'll be fine with that. Read some, if you're going to read Power Pack, read some of the earlier issues. They're a lot better. Read their Mute Massacre issue. That's fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've read the one where Wolverine like gets saved by the little girl, too. Is that a Power Pack issue? Um, or is that a Wolverine issue? That's X-Men that's for... 205. Is that the Barry Windsor Smith one? Yeah, that was really good. X-Men 205. Okay, that was an X-Men issue. That's probably why I read it. No, Power Pack 27. They fight Sabretooth in the Mute Massacre. 
Oh, gosh. Well, he should be easily destroyed also, but I guess I don't know much about the power pack. Um, my favorite power pack artist, June Brigman, draws off and on up through 17, but the writer who created the series writes the book up through issue 33. So if you're going to read Power Pack, 1 through 33. Oh, no, she goes a little bit more. There was a couple of fill-ins. Uh, where does she stop? Uh, wow. Okay, like 40. Yeah. Issue 41. Looks like it's her last one. So read Power Pack 1 through 41 if you want some solid, solid comics that are for kids, but not aimed at kids so like that 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 golden age of comic writing where it wasn't dumbed down to be made accessible to kids it was just accessible to kids and it was pretty great yeah it's kind of like when you go back and watch some of those 80s movies that were for kids and you look at them now and you go this is for kids <laughs> like because I, I mean like we were watching about a year or two ago i was visiting my parents and like it was winter time-ish, so it was snowing, so we were just hanging outside, and we were watching Gremlins, you know, and my oh, brother yeah. was there, and we were looking at that, I'm like, and I looked at my mom and go, would you show this to your, you know, her grandkids, my brother's kids? And she's like, no. I'm like, you realize they were watching it, though, at this point. She's like, yeah. they were? I'm like, yeah, they were the, They were younger than the grand, your grandkids are watching this movie, like, three times a day, and we had no problem with it, but now <laughs> we're like, no, no, too much. Yeah. Yeah, my sister just showed Gremlins to her kids. They're like nine, and uh, they found a couple parts of it a little bit hard to take. But uh, I grew up on Gremlins, so, you know. Not judging either way whether it went right or not. I'm just saying the difference, though, is that, yeah, Power Pack's kind of similar like that. There's some stuff there that if you're thinking a comic made for kids and you're reading this, you're going, really? This is in there? But, yeah, no, it's really good. Power Pack's the reason I'm reading comics. Oh, wow. Yay. Power Pack was the first comic I had that actually made me go, I need to find more of this. Where can I get it? Where can I get more of this series? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so at this point now, we are probably going to have a, a promo for unpacking the Power of Power Pack because we there's we really should. Uh-huh. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. We got kids with powers, we got villains with attitude. We got superhero guests, like all of them from the Marvel Universe. We have thematically appropriate beer reviews. We have good jokes and bad song parodies. One stop for all your Power Pack pod-pleasing procurements. And we got alliteration. Find Unpacking the Power of Power Pack wherever fine podcasts are played. Costumes on. Before we get to the closing of the episode, let's cover our feedback. And we do have quite a bit to talk about this time, so let's get to it. We are talking about feedback from episode 127, Ace Plus, which is the first part of our Infinity Wars coverage with me and my brother Joe. And on Facebook, the post about that episode was liked and shared by, well, I know Jesse Starcher did it. Thanks, Jesse. And there were others, apparently. But, of course, thanks to Facebook's new privacy settings, I cannot see them. I'm getting sick of this. Thankfully, Twitter does not have that problem. And on Twitter, the post about that episode was liked and retweeted by Nexus of All Realities, Connor McKenna, Big Donkey, Adeline Rising Podcast, Ed Moore, Capes and Lunatics, David Finn, Last Sons of Krypton, Viet Huynh, Toys and Sometimes Jokes, Chris Lydon, Radelichin Broadcasting, Ahmed Fadi, Storm Chaser, Truth, Justice, and Hope, Jeffrey Brown of Earth 1610, Jason Snick Venable, The Daily Rios, into the Weird, Into the Night, Hell Dad, Bill, 
Santiago Delgado, Comics in the Golden Age, and Long Box of Darkness. Besides being on this show, I've been in a few other places the last few weeks. Of course, you can still find me every week on the L-E-G-I-O-N P-O-D-Cast. Just go to Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed for that. I also did a guest spot on the new podcast, Tombs of Evil, which is a new podcast talking about comic book villains. And we spent our episode, episode four, I believe, talking about the Legion of Superheroes villains, the Fatal Five. And I also was with Clinton Robinson on Fan Films Friday, which is a Longbox Crusade podcast. And on this episode, we talked about the fan film Arbuckle, which is a Garfield fan film. Links for all of those will be in the show notes. Now, as you noticed, this episode was part of the Merry Marvel Marching Society Acts of Vengeance crossover. There are a bunch of other shows participating in this crossover, including Third Degree Burn, Back to the Bins, Coffee and Comics, Comic Book Time Machine, Doom Speak, Fan Holes Podcast, The Fire and Water Podcast Presents, Head Speaks, Into the Weird, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, Justice Not Entirely Dissimilar Lightning, Longbox Crusade, Mare of Comics, Rolled Spine Podcast, and Views from the Longbox. Links for the episodes that have already been out now will also be in the show notes. If you want to hear your name said here when I thank people for liking and sharing our episodes, well, here's how you do it. You can always like the episode post on our Tumblr page. Just go to resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. On our Facebook page, hopefully it'll show up. Just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box on Facebook and it pops up. Follow us on Twitter, at AdamThanosPod. You can always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I would really appreciate it. I haven't got one in a while, and that'd be cool. And, of course, you can send us an email. Like this person, David Spotforth, who sent us an email about episode 127. He wrote, Hi, Al. The soul gem was briefly used by the gardener. He lost the power to use his own gem, maybe the time gem, in Marvel Team-Up number 55 and then later claimed Adam's gem from where it was left on his grave. He used it on Jorello's world in Hulk 248. The Hulk threw it down into the core of Jorello's world to turn it into a paradise garden world. Regarding Kang, I think he actually was a Scarlet Centurion briefly for just that one story in Avengers Annual 2. It was after that story he diverged, and one went to the 41st century and became Kang, and another ended up in the Squadron's supreme reality and stayed as the Centurion. As to his ancestor, he's not descended from Reed Richards, exactly. But I understand his ancestor was Reed's father, via brother of Reed. I think there's speculation, if it was ever confirmed, I don't remember it, that Reed's father might also have been the father of Kristoff, the boy who's program of Doom's mind. So if Kristoff was Kang's ancestor, then that would, sort of, make him a descendant of Doom in a way. I don't know why they bother killing heroes anymore. Is there anyone left who is impressed by this? I always remember when Nick Fury was killed in the 1990s. There was a scene with Dum Dum and some howlers in a bar talking about how Nick died. Then there was a pause, and then they all burst out laughing. Cheers, David. Alright, so first of all, just so everyone knows, uh, we covered Marvel Team Up back in episode 115 with John Wilson and Donovan Morgan Grant, and I know we will be covering that issue of Hulk sometime within the next several months. As for the know about Kang, Okay, so I didn't realize that's when the Scholar Centurion happened, so it's between Ramatut and Kang, it sounds like. And then it diverges, and one becomes the one who stays Scarlet Centurion, and the other one becomes Kang. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I'm a little confused about the thing about Reed. So is it Reed's brother, which I didn't know he had one, that is the ancestor, or Reed's father, who I guess 
Well, I guess it was Reed's father. He'd ha either had to be Reed or he'd have another kid. So, I don't know. I didn't realize Reed had any siblings. I just assumed it was a eventual descendant of Reed Richards, like, you know, from Franklin or now Valeria eventually. But it's like a thousand years, two thousand years away. So who knows? Never heard the thing about him possibly, about Reed's father possibly being Kristoff's father. I wonder if that's like something from the 90s or like when Fantastic Force was running around. Well, David, if you have any hints on that, let me know. All right, well, if you want to send an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. And finally, this show is part of The Collective, which is a group of podcasters who have decided to network in the most traditional sense, uh, just getting together, helping each other with ideas, sharing and reposting each other's episodes. And in fact, we did play a little stinger promo from one of the uh, Collective members, into the night at the very beginning of this episode. All right, let's get to the closing and get the hell out of here. And all right, I think that's it. I think we're going to close out now. Uh, so tell people where to find you guys. Where, where should they go if they want to hear more of the two of you together? Hey, Mike, where can they find us? <laughs> they can find us at makearsmarvel.com. Uh, I won't go to the whole speech, but yeah, the website has links to our social media and, of course, our podcasts and a way to contact does all that good stuff so and the show's on twitter at Magars marvel mike can be followed on twitter at kaiser the great and i am on twitter at john reads comics so please go and like our show and watch for new episodes every week from make ours marvel and like what i said earlier we're we at we are currently in i forget june uh, 1967 yeah we, we we started at fantastic four number one we've been covering every marvel superhero universe comic in the order of release up through, like you said, we're starting into June. We just finished June. Yeah, because mm -hmm. of the halfway point for 1967. So August 1961 to June 1967. Yeah, six years of comics almost. Catch up, quick. Yeah, there's only a couple hundred, there's only like, what, 150, 200 episodes? Yeah, something like that. Links in the show notes, people. When you say it like that, 150, 200 episodes, I'm like, holiness. What are we doing? We have made right. so many of these. Right? We are on uh, episode number 148, actually. And that doesn't count all the specials. Oh, the not comics do. issues? Yeah, Every we do. month, yeah, we, we cover, cover movies that are not comics specials. Yeah. We do feedback specials. So there's a lot to listen to if, if you're a Marvel fan and you're looking for more. And Al gets a commission, so. We send him chocolate paydays. Yes. Plus, if you listen to their not comic specials, you also you get to hear another past uh, guest on the show, Sarah Century, who joins oh, them yeah. for all the uh, not comics specials. Correct. Yep, yep. Keeps us in line. She's pretty great. We talked about Blade. We watched the Blade trilogy of films, and yeah, that was fun. I just mm -hmm. listened to that episode today. All right. Well, thanks again for being here, guys. Thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. All right, and uh, that's it. So just. Everyone, be careful that no one wants the vengeance on you. I need to shop that. <laughs> Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood.
The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page. Verily. Verily, verily. I got into that verily, verily thing. I don't even know where that came from. Sorry. It kind of <laughs> sounds like uh, Thor is played by, uh, oh, God, what's the neighbor from Simpsons? Flanders. Verily, verily. Verily, verily. Verily, verily. Oakley, Oakley. Verily, verily. Yep, yep, that's him.